Now, can you hear me? It's good to see Miss Brenda and her family with us. We're grateful that you're here. Uh, we're, we're thankful. My, thank you guys so much for leading us into worship. And I believe that there is a river overflowing, that God's moving in our midst. And we, we acknowledge him today. He's in the house. I want you to look with me in your Bible to Acts 17. I have uh, spent quite a few hours here. Acts 16, remember Paul and Silas are together in ministry and uh, they've come into a town where there's a little girl with a fortune-telling demon and she's following them around, distracting Paul and Silas from the message and and, uh, he just turns around one day and tell that demon come out of her. And, and when her master saw that the hope of their gain was gone, they was making money off of that. And they, they pulled Paul and Silas into the magistrates. And, big, and of course, we know what happened. They locked them up, put them in prison. And the inner prison, the, the stench of the dungeon, the, the sewage part. And the Bible said they prayed. Paul and Silas prayed. And about midnight, their prayer turned into praise. And the Bible said the jail was shaken. And everybody's bands were loosed. And the jailer was about to kill himself. And Paul said, don't do yourself any harm. We're all here. And he jumped in. He said, what must I do to be saved? Gave his own altar call. What must I do to be saved? And he said, Paul said this, believe. Come on, it matters what we believe. That's all he said. He said, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. You shall be saved and your house. What a promise that is. What a promise. You you understand the enormity of that beautiful picture. And and we know that Paul and Silas in chapter 17 now, they're coming down the coast of, of, uh, of the kind of not far from Rome, but they're in Greece and they come through a couple of cities and they come to a place called Thessalonica. It's not called that today, but that's where they were. And as was their custom, Paul and Silas went into the synagogue and began to preach Jesus. You know what the message was? That Jesus came, he died, he was buried and rose again for our sake. That means he came into our darkness. He came into our brokenness. Somebody said, well, God smote his son. The Bible doesn't say that. It says in Isaiah that we esteemed him stricken, smitten of God. It was actually uh, the, the, the angry sinners that nailed him to the cross, right? It was because of our sin, our, our brokenness, that Jesus came into our humanity and delivered us from all that. And, and so Paul and Silas are preaching Jesus in Thessalonica. And the Bible said many of them believe, but there was some... Bitter, jealous Jews, people, religious people. Come on, you understand religious people, the, the message of religion is try harder. Come on, we can't fix ourselves. I'm going to show you something here. Because chapter 17 says that there was some bitter, jealous people that began to stir up uh, street gangs. People in the streets begin to stir up lewd fellows, uh, people with, with ill uh, means and, and, and took opportunity to, to cause a riot. And, and so they, they came after Paul and Silas and they couldn't find Paul and Silas because Jason, uh, remember Jason was probably one of the 70 that Jesus sent out uh, to preach the God kingdom and, and to, uh, to cast out demons. And, and so Jason had invited Paul and Silas and let them stay in their house. So uh, they couldn't find Paul and Silas. So they grabbed Jason and some of the church, uh, the people in the church, in his house church, and they dragged them out and bring them before the council and I want to read what they said it's good Acts 17 the Bible said many of the Jews verse 5 many of the Jews were motivated by bitter jealousy and they formed a large mob now if you're reading from uh, the new King James version it says it says the Jews were not persuaded became envious same thing. Took some of the evil men from the marketplace. Uh, 
some gangs and gathered a mob, set all the city in an uproar. This is the New King James Version. And attacked the house of Jason and sought to bring them out to the people, but they didn't find them. They dragged Jason and some brothers to the rulers of the city, crying, These men, listen, listen what he said. These men who have turned the world upside down have come to our city. Now, I don't believe it was turned upside down. I believe it was turned right side up. These men who've turned the world upside down have come to our city. And uh, we know what's behind all of this. And he said, Jason has harbored them. He's put them in his house. And these are all acting contrary to the decrees of Caesar saying there's another king. Well, there is. His name is Jesus. He is the king of kings. And Paul had no problem preaching that. So when they had taken security from Jason, that means they had to pay bail. They had to pay the bail to get out of jail. They let him go. Then I want you to notice what happened. I'm going to read from the Passion. So that night the believers sent Paul and Silas off to the city of Berea. Now Berea is up the coast. It's not far from there. They'd actually sent them out to the Aegean Sea and they made it up to Berea where they were once again, it went into the synagogue. You can't do anything else when you're called. And Paul goes right back into the synagogue and Silas. And they once again, they found the Jews of Berea were of more noble character and much more open-minded than those of Thessalonica. They were hungry to learn and eagerly receive the word. Now, let me tell you, the last few months I've been praying, Holy Spirit, teach me. Unravel anything that I've learned that was wrong. Come on, you understand, we never get too old to, to, to ask the Holy Spirit to begin to show me the, the, the truth because it's the truth that makes us free. One, let me give you this example. Right? Remember when the Bible said they went out preaching the word and the Lord working with them, confirming the word with signs and wonders? Have you ever had the question I have and had people ask you, where's the signs and wonders? Well, the, the, the first question would be, where's the gospel? Where's the good news? Gospel means good news. Somebody said, well, you know, I was saved because of the fear of going to hell. But you understand the Bible doesn't say that he leads us to repentance for fear of going to hell. Paul said in Romans 2.4, he said, don't you know it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance? That word repentance is metanoia. It means a radical change in the way you think. Not only about your sin. It, yeah, I believe there's some remorse and there's some uh, regret because there's things I don't want to go back to. Things that I knew were broken. Things that weren't really who I was intended to be and I was trying to live outside the blueprint that God had created for me. But once I found the blueprint, you understand the Holy Spirit began to show me something that called me to be. I, I look forward to this. I'm telling I love coming to church, being with you, because I know God's in the midst and there's something He does corporately that He doesn't do individually. Come on. Now He can, but there's something about being together. And the Bible said they sent them to Berea. They opened the scrolls of the scripture and began to teach them every day. Well, guess what? The same group of instigators and rebels heard they were in Berea. So they come from Thessalonica to stir up trouble there. <laughs> they began to believe that what Paul, Paul taught was true, that Jesus did die and rose again. And that we are the beloved of the Father. A large number of Jews became believers in Jesus, along with quite a few influential Greek women and men. When the news reached the Jews in Thessalonica, remember they just come out of Thessalonica, and Paul was now in Berea preaching the word, the troublemakers went there too, and they agitated and stirred up the crowds against him. Why? Because they turned the world upside down. Come on, I wonder how many of us are turning the world upside down. 
You understand, we can turn the world upside down. I believe that God's called us to be luminescent, right? Come on. He didn't just save us to take us to heaven one day. He saved us to transform us because Paul said, I'm travailing for you again until Christ be formed in you. The Bible said in Romans 12, Paul writes to the young church at Rome and he says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is a reasonable worship and don't be conformed to the world. Don't try to fit in where you were not created to fit in. Don't try to be somebody God never intended for you to be because the world's opinions are like chisels. They'll chisel away at you and try to make you into somebody that, that they thought you ought to be, that God never intended for you to be. Come on, you understand, young people, that sin is fun for a while. But there's always a cost to it. What the, what the world and the devil won't tell you is there's the price. Sin is harmatia. Two words. Ha, the first part of it. Has, it means to be without. Be without a share. We know it as harmatia, which means miss the mark. But even more than that, it means to be outside the blueprint. It means to be like the prodigal son out there in, in la-la land. Until all that he was depending on was gone. And the Bible said he's about to eat the slop in the pig pen. And he came to himself. That's metanoia. That's repentance. That's coming back to the, to the original intent. What am I doing here? <laughs> Come on, somebody. Because my father has servants, and none of them are hungry, but I'm starving. And I, I'm of the household of a man who has everything I ever need. What am I doing here? I've been trying to find fulfillment outside of the blueprint. And the Bible said, he said, I know what I'll do. I'll go back and tell my father, I'll rep I'm not even worthy to be called your son. Just make me one of your servants and I'll just work for you if you feed me and clothe me. And the Bible said when he got, a, 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 he was afar off and the father saw him. What's he doing? He's looking for him. He's waiting on him. Come on, you understand <laughs> The Father's waiting on us to get this revelation. And the Bible said he don't wait for the son to get there. He falls, and, uh, he falls on his neck and begins to kiss him. The son begins to try to rehearse that, that prayer, he had, that, that speech he had made up for his father. Father, don't even respond to it. He just turns to his servants and says, go get the best robe. Go get some shoes. <laughs> get a ring. Put it on his hand. Come on, you, you understand who had the best robe? He became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. Yes, he put his righteousness on you and me. Come on, you understand the implications of that. Here's the gospel, the good news, that we can be everything that God intended for us to be and enjoy. I'm telling you, I'm just going to be a sight the rest of my life. I'm going to have a blast because I, I, I am so at peace with my father because of my elder brother Jesus. I'm in this circle of love with father, son, and spirit, and there's nothing in the world that compares to it. Look, at, look, look now. They, they, they begin to stir up the same stuff. And the fellow believers helped Paul slip away to the coast of the GNC while Paul, Silas and Timothy remained in Berea. Now I want you to know he's headed for Athens, Greece. While Paul waited for them in Athens, his spirit was deeply troubled, irritated. Why? Because he began to see all the idol worship. He began, come on, you understand, when you get close enough to him, you're not going to have a hard time recognizing what's not. God, what, we're living in a time when people are worshiping idols, and they don't even know it. Hang with me. His, deeply was, his spirit was deeply troubled when he realized the entire city was full of idols. 
He argued the claims of the gospel with the Jews in their synagogue and with those who were worshipers of God. And every day he preached in the public square to whomever would listen. Now, one thing about the Grecians, the Greeks, the Athenians, they're philosophers. They're big on philosophy, but they're also big on mythical gods. And Paul's right in the middle of it. Do you understand all that the, 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 the mob stirred up? Everything that had happened to him brought him to this moment. I don't believe he's here because of the... I believe he's here by divine appointment. I believe we're here by divine appointment. Everything in your life, brought, I believe, brought us here, right here today. And the Father has, has delighted in seeing us together in this moment. Now listen, there was philosophers, the teachings of Epicurus. Now, the Epicureans believed that the ultimate goal in life was to, to uh, it was materialism and self-pleasure. That's still going on. There's people who get all they can, can all they get. And they're, they're caught up in material things. And pleasure. Said the Epicureans were, here's what they believe. They were a Greek, Epicurus was a Greek philosopher in around 341 to 270 BC who espoused and taught a radical materialism that, that claimed people should live for pleasure and materialistic gain. This philosopher denied the afterlife and didn't think the gods even had time to consider our human condition. That's a very despairing attitude to have about life. Now, they weren't by themselves. There's a group called the Stoics. You ever heard somebody say he was Stoic? Here's what they believed. They had a passive determinism of emotional indifference that elevates the virtue of self-control. Sounds like religion to me. Come on. Don't want you to shout in church. Don't you raise your hand. Wrong place here. The Stoics, by mastering human passions, believed and, and their emotions that they could realize peace within themselves. I tried that for years. It's, it's futile. It is, there's only one way. They believe that humans can only reach their full potential when they live by sheer reason and divine principle or the spark of divinity they call logos, little l. Only way to really live the fulfilled life is to know the true logos, capital L-O-G-S-O-S. In the beginning was the word and the word was with. That with is a Really weak translation. It's English. It, it means pros. The word was face to face with the Father. And now he's invited us into that face to face. Now watch. So the Bible said they debated with Paul. That means they wrestled with words. When they heard him speak about Jesus and the resurrection, they said... What strange idea this babbler is trying to present. Others said he's peddling some kind of foreign religion. So they brought him from a, for a public dialogue before the leadership council of Athens called the Oropagos. The Oropagos was actually a, a group of, 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 it was the governing body of intellectuals in Athens who were the overseers of Athens it was equivalent to the Board of Education, the City Council, the Ethics Committee, the Council of Foreign Relations, and leaders of the religious and philosophical community all rolled into one. That's a mouthful, right? 
The Oropagos, also known as Mars Hill. Mars Hill means the God of war. Ares. It wasn't just a simply a location, but a gathering of a council of people overseeing the spiritual atmosphere of Athens. This Aramaic here uses the phrase, it was a house of religion. That's what Jesus spoke. He didn't speak Greek. He spoke Hebrew and Aramaic. A house of religion. That's man's attempt to get to God. So they said, tell us about this new teaching that you're bringing into the city. It's going to get good. You're presenting strange and astonishing things to our ears and we want to know what it all means. Now, it was the favorite pastime of the Athenians and visitors to Athens to discuss the newest ideas and philosophies. So Paul stood in the middle of them. He said, respected leaders of Athens, Athenians, it's clear to me how extravagant you are in your worship of idols. Now, the translation is, it's amazing how superstitious you are and how you worship demons. That's the translation. For as I walked through your city, I was captivated by the many shrines and objects of your worship. I even found an inscription on one altar that read to the unknown God. The Aramaic is the hidden God. I'll never forget being in India. And I'll never forget seeing so many Hindu temples. I'm talking about some of them are grotesque. Some of them had many arms. India is called the land of a million gods. Because they worship everything. You're really driving down the street and you have to wait for the cattle to get up out of the road because it may be somebody's great uncle. <laughs> you really do. You have to wait because they're all laying in the streets. They don't, they don't bother them. They just feed them and take care of them and let them just roam around in the streets because they, they believe that they're reincarnated loved ones. Okay. The devil is such a liar and a perverter of truth. So he said, I've come to introduce this unknown God, this hidden God that you worship but you know nothing about. He said, this is the one I want to talk about. The true God, listen, is the creator of all things. And Colossians chapter 1 verse 17 says, For by him and for him were all things created. You know, Jesus was there. Father, Son, and Spirit were there in creation. Because when you read in the beginning God, that word God is Elohim, which is plural. More than one. They were there together. Do you understand we're not here because God needed us? I feel the Holy Ghost, Brother John. He's really messing with me. I'm so glad he is. Because he, we're here. You're here. Not by accident, by chance. You're here because he wanted you. He saw you. David said, my days are written in your book. Paul's going to get to it in a minute. Ooh, I feel the Lord in this place. <laughs> the true God is the creator of all things. He's the owner and the Lord of the heavenly realm and the earthly realm. Now this is all translated from the Aramaic, which is from the original. He doesn't live in man-made temples. He supplies life and breath and all things to every living being. He doesn't lack a thing we mortals could supply him for he has all things and everything he needs. He said in one place in the Old Testament, if I were hungry, I wouldn't tell you. If I were thirsty, I wouldn't have to come to you because he owns the cattle of a thousand hills. He owns the hills under the cattle and some great old country preachers said, and the taters under the hills. He owns it all. He said he supplies life and breath and all things to every living being. 
He doesn't lack a thing that we mortals could supply for him, for he has all things, everything that he needs. From one man, Adam, he made every man and woman. We're born with his reflection, his, his image. We, we, create, we know he created Adam in his image and Eve in his image. So we're born from Adam. That means we have his image. We're created. He sees his reflection, William, when he sees you. I believe that. He said, he made every race of humanity, spread us all over the earth. Paul's preaching now to this this group of people. He sets the boundaries of peoples and nations, determining their appointed times in history. Now, this is where it really gets good. He commands the separation of seasons and sets the lifespan of every person. He said in the King James, in him we live and move and have our being. Even those who don't even acknowledge there's a God wouldn't even exist if God wouldn't keep in that little electrical charge in the top of their heart firing. If he didn't exhale, we couldn't inhale. But I'm so glad that he's got you and me in his sights today. And because he's got us in his sights, let me tell you that our best days are ahead because that's the way he planned it. Come on, you understand. He said he has done this so that every person would long for God. People are hungry for something. We're living in a world where people are hungry. Like the Bereans, they were hungry. They're hungry to hear the good news. It says, he appointed times in history, our lifespan. He's done this so that every person would long for God, feel their way to him. That means to investigate the creator of all things. That means to be investigative. Here's what the Song of Solomon says it like this. Draw us and we'll run after you. (laughs) Paul said, "This come on, I got to put this down. He said, this one thing I do, forgetting those things that are behind, I'm reaching forward to those things that are before because I'm pressing toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God that is in Christ Jesus. And before he ever said that, he said, I don't count myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I'm going to do, I'm going to forget those things that's been trying to hold me back. Come on, you can learn from your past, but don't live in your past. Don't let your past dictate to you who you are in him because he created you with great delight and you were born. He had great delight that you took your first breath and he saw you, David said. He saw you and he delighted in you and you understand that we want to live in the blueprint that he created for us, that we become everything that he dreamed you and I would be, that we're growing and maturing in the knowledge of the Lord. Yes, Look at your neighbor and tell him he's making me better. Yeah. For he that works in you is willing to do his good pleasure. He said... To the Athenians, he said, he's not very far from you. You're groping after him. But you're you're meddling in the wrong place. You're not far. So, I like what the translator said. So that they could feel their way to him and find him. For he is the God who is easy to discover. That word, let's see if I can pull it up. Yeah, my fingers, my thumbs. Come on. He is the God who is easy to discover. It's through him that we live and function. 
The King James says we have our being, but that word being has come from a word ontology. It's really a metaphysical term, but it means being, it means identity. In him, we have our identity. Lily, 14 years old. Probably not listening, but maybe she'll find out. It's okay. She came home from school and she was really upset. I heard her downstairs. She said, I'm done. I'm just done. Because she, I learned later she liked this boy and something happened and whatever the case was. When she came up, there's a refrigerator outside and, and I happened to step out when she's coming to get her a drink. And I said, is everything okay? She said, no, sir. I said, what is it? I said, what happened? And I come out to her and, 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 and I just, she just kind of fell on my shoulder. And I put, I put a, a little pastor hug on her. And I said, let me tell you something. I said, nobody else can de- define who you are. Nobody can determine who you are. It's already been determined. And I said, I said, don't you ever let anyone try to make you feel like you're less than he created you to be. Well, she goes downstairs and tells my granddaughter and her sister said, said, Big Daddy was so sweet. He didn't, even, he didn't even know what was going on. And you understand that even though it might have been insignificant to us, it changed her whole attitude because of what she experienced in that moment. Let me tell you what I was doing. I was participating in the love of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Anymore, I see my life as interactive with Father. In Him, I live and move. Come on, you understand? I'm led by the Spirit. Come on. When you're led by the Spirit, it means that you can just take a break. Or I'm going to mess with somebody. (laughs) When you're led by the Spirit, guess what? You're not trying to please God. Because when you're led by the Spirit, let me tell you how to please God. Hebrews 11, 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please God. For they that come to God, number one, believe, must believe that He is. Come on, the great, uh, the great teachers uh, under the anointing of the Holy Spirit wrote a book and said, there's nothing any easier than to determine the fact that God is. Romans 1, he said, look at creation. Look at the beauty of all the creation. Look at the handiwork of the Father. When the sun begins to set and the sky turns purple and you see the beautiful hues of orange and purple and he painted that tapestry just for you, just for me, so he could show you his handiwork and his, his, his favor and his blessings. And I never ever look at things the same way because I want to be interactive with him. I want him to work through me. I'm not really burning myself out trying to figure out what I need to do to please God. Come on, somebody. Because there's a rest. When you get led by the Spirit, Jesus knew that. He knew exactly who He was. It comes through knowing who you are. Identity. Beloved identity. Jesus knew exactly who He was. And here's what he would say. I don't do anything unless I've seen my father do it. I don't say anything unless I've heard my father say it. So when he's feeding the 5,000 plus women and children, he's seen his father do it. When he's speaking to the leper and says, I will be clean. 
He saw his father do it. When he's sitting there looking at the woman caught in the act of adultery. And he says, neither do I condemn you. He's saying that because he heard his father say it. Come on. You understand there's no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has made me free from the law of sin and death. Hang with me. (laughs) He said... In him we live and function and have our identity. There's nothing you can't accomplish. Don't aim too low. See yourself as God as the Father sees you as, as amazing. As there's no dream too big. Let me tell you, I never dreamed that God would take a little boy who was raised at the gap of the mountain on Rocky Creek. That was high class. I would nail lawnmower wheels to flat one by sixes and push it around as a toy. It would, I would nail, we'd nail it to the board and we pushed it. Come on, get a picture of that. I was living, I was living the good life. It would come a rain and I would find the deepest, muddiest red mud hole. And I'd at least get up to my knees. I remember one time working at dad's shop and there's a pastor, I'm not going to call his name, he had two sons when they first moved here, they were riding bicycles and, and our shop was right next to a place where it was just red mud. And we're working and all of a sudden these two boys come and you can't see anything but the whites of their eyes. And when they smile, you could see their teeth because they're covered from head to toe in red. I'm talking about clothes, everything. It's the fun. I got pictures. So we had to call. They said, would you call our dad? I said, I don't know if you want me to do that. But I did. I called him and he came over and it was hilarious. Because life is just fun when you don't get caught up in all of the stresses of, of trying to, to fix yourself and try to, to you understand that, that these Stoics and these Epicureans were trying what Paul came to tell them about the good news. Watch. He says, our lineage come from him. That means we're family. My identity comes from him. The Greek word is genos. It means we get our genes. We have divine DNA. He said, since our lineage can be tracked back to God, how can we even think that the divine image could be compared to something made of gold, silver, stone, sculpted by man's artwork and clever imagination? In the past, God tolerated or paid no attention to our ignorance of these things. But now the time of deception has passed away. He commands us all to repent. Metanoia, a radical change in the way you think that'll uh, about your sin and about God and turn to God. For the appointed day, now he's talking to idolaters, idol worshipers. For the appointed day has risen in which he's going to judge the world in righteousness by the man. He has designated the proof given to the world that God has chosen this man is this. He resurrected him from among the dead. Now watch. The moment they heard Paul bring up that topic. This is what really causes the devil to go to the phone booth to dial 911. (laughs) Soon as they preached that, Paul preached that. There were some who believed the message and joined him for that, from that day forward. Among them were Dionysius. Dionysius was probably, uh, he became the bishop of Athens. Actually, he, he was on the council. A judge of the leadership council and a woman named Damaris. Damaris means wife. It was, could have been the wife of Dionysius. But whatever happened, that message, the gospel transformed their lives. Now let me tell you what the good news will do. It'll cause us to live in such a way that we turn the world right side up. Because everything in the kingdom is reverse 
if you want to get, you've got to give. Jesus said, Luke 6, 38, give and it shall be. I'm not talking about just money. I'm not talking about sowing seed. I'm talking about sowing seed. There's a principle of sowing and reaping. If you want to go up, you got to go down. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. God will exalt you in due time. If you want to live, you got to die. I'm telling you, God knows how to knock all the props out. When you got six people living downstairs and you have to wash dishes and you have to, come on, I, I can cook some mean biscuits. I've had a lot of practice. God will knock all the props out because you, you can, you, you, all of a sudden, you begin to see others through His perspective. You begin to help others through His perspective. You begin to do whatever. The Spirit leads you to do. Because when you're led by the Spirit, let me tell you, it's not rigorous and it's not exhausting and it's not boring. It's an adventure. Paul was on the adventure of his life. And, And he was so, you know, there was such a transformation that took place with Paul. Paul on the road to Damascus. He was persecuting the church, probably held the clothes of the young men that stoned Stephen to death. But he had an encounter. Oh, Jesus, help us to understand how to come into that position to have the encounter. He had an encounter. This encounter was so transformational because Paul, his name was Saul. He said, who are you, Lord? He said, I'm Jesus that you're persecuting. Come on, you don't understand. He takes it personal. When the enemy puts his hand on you, he takes it personal. He's touching him. He's touching what he loves. He said, it's hard for you to kick against the ox goads. I'm trying to get you to go according to the blueprint. The ox goat was a pointed stick that the shepherds would use to keep their animals in line and in the road. (laughs) And he said, it's really hard for you to kick against the ox goats. Isn't it? Yeah. Boy, it's rough. He said, but Paul, I've ordained you. I've called you. I want you to go into a street called Straight. And there I want you to just wait. I'm going to send somebody to you. It's going to lay hands on you and the scales are going to come off and I've, I've ordained you to preach the good news. What a, how could God use a man like that? Oh, how can he use a man like this? Because he wants to. So Paul goes and God speaks to Ananias, go over to the street called Straight. There's a man named Saul. Who? Isn't he killing Christians? Yeah, I've called him though. I've already gone ahead of you, son. Just go lay hands on him. He'll receive his sight. Come on, there's more than physical sight here. My prayer is always, Father, let me see people like you see them. Let, let, me, see, let me love people like you love them. Let me say what you would say. Let me go where you would go and let me do what you would do. Help me to be faithful to that, Lord. And I'm telling you, you get ready. I want you to stand with me. The devil's really, really threatened by your potential because he knows if we ever get it, If we ever get a hold of this identity, this in him, we live and move and have our identity. Wow. And he sees us. He has no respect of persons. Wow. Only he can love like that. 
The reason Paul could be beaten with rods, put in the inner prison, stoned and left for dead, shipwrecked, snake bit, ridiculed and mocked is because he knew how much he was loved. He knew he was a called man of God who was to declare the good news no matter what's going on around him. I want to be relentless. I believe the Lord's calling us to turn the world right side up. It's been upside down too long. Right? So, if you're here, I want you to know He just wants you to believe. He just wants you to believe, just believe, what, that Jesus died. He was buried and rose again for you and me. Ascended to sit at the right hand of the Father. And Paul said, we are blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. And we are raised up and made to sit together with him in heavenly places. Now, I want you to think about this. Jesus is on the right side of the Father. That's a place of authority and dominion. But there's another seat. The devil wanted to sit in that seat. But he could he he tried. So God kicked him out of heaven. And now he's invited you and me. That seat's reserved for you and me. We've been made to sit together with him. So it's important that you see yourself. I want to say this, and I know religion has a hard time with it. And God, sometimes it's painful for me when the Holy Spirit begins to unravel something that has been ingrained in me for so long. Amen. The Lord said, I'm, I'm telling you, I heard him. He said, I'm not looking for performance or perfection. I'm just looking for permission. If you'll give me permission, I'll work all things for your good and my glory. If you'll give me permission, if you'll let me come in, believe on me, you can live out the blueprint. You can live according to who I created you to be and let the Holy Spirit do the hard part. He's working in us. He's bringing us. Let me tell you, I can look back and I can tell you I'm in the most wonderful place I've ever been in this relationship with the Father. I have no desire for the world and the world's system, the world's ways. I have no desire because I know who lives in me and I know who I am. I'm a son. Your sons and daughters, when you begin to embrace that truth, I, I have met so many people. And I can understand it because people who've been really, really just hurt by religion. Come on, you know what I'm talking about? Hurt by religion, by, by what they thought, people who thought this is the way church is supposed to be. I said, Lord, I don't want to see anybody else go through that. But I want there to be a healing and a wholeness that would come through this beloved identity and this relationship of knowing you and knowing who we are that we're created as new creatures in Christ Jesus. Come on, you understand? I want to tell you there's a place He wants to bring you where you have no lack. It don't mean you might not have a need, but let me tell you, He'll bring you to a place. My wife and I are in a place where we have no lack. I can't even explain it except Him. He's opened His hand. Because I've surrendered. You know what? That's, it. That's what he's looking for. Surrender. 
intentional surrender. I just give it all to you, Lord. I give up to you right now. So I want to ask you today, if you're feeling that tug, if you've been wounded, if you've been hurt, if you've found yourself in a place, maybe you've never met this, you, you've heard about him, but you don't know him like you want to know him. I want to tell you, you can. Because Jesus said, if you love me, my Father and I will come in and we'll manifest ourselves. We'll reveal ourselves to you. I don't want somebody's idea of what that looks like. Let me say it again. I don't want somebody's idea of what that looks like. Neither do you. I want Him <laughs> to show me what that looks like. So I want to pray for you. And if you need prayer for anything, I want you to come because I believe God is moving. I believe that we're about to see the signs and wonders confirming the word. Healed hearts, healed bodies, healed emotions, whole, every bit, whit, whole. In Jesus' name. Father, I thank you for this opportunity. I don't want to be in a rush when it comes to the move of the Spirit, but Lord, I pray right now that you'll move in every heart. Move in every life and bring a wholeness and healing that would cause us to rest in your love. That would cause us to rest so that we're not fighting and we're not trying, but we're resting because we already are. Even though it may not yet be, we already are. And we thank you, Father. We pray, Lord, for wholeness and healing to come to every life in the name of Jesus. Lord, come, we, we pray that you'll reveal yourself to us in a deep revelation of this great love. Help us, Lord, that we'll be illuminescent, that we'll be like Foss. We'll be the light that you've created us to be in the name of Jesus, a reflection of who you are so that lives are transformed in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. If you're here and you say, Pastor, I want you to pray for me. Slip your hand up. Yeah, I see your hands. I see your hands. I'm going to do that right now. Father, I thank you for every hand that was raised. Lord, that's significant to you because you see somebody you love. Lord, you're not disappointed, but Lord, you're looking for permission to come and transform hearts and change lives. And Lord, we thank you right now that you're doing the work. And we give you praise for loving us so deeply. Now for every person that may be feeling uh, an infirmity or have sickness in your body, I pray, Lord Jesus, that by your love and your strength, the, reparate, the, the wholeness comes to everybody. I pray for those children who are out of the way, who are... Who are they may be prodigal. Lord, let them discover the love of the Father. Draw them by your Spirit back to a place of wholeness. Our own children, we thank you, Father, that you're doing it. Lord, help us to live as you have called us to live. And help us, Lord, to say what you say and to do what you do in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. God bless you. I speak life and peace, blessing, help, and hope in the name of Jesus. Amen.